0: Welcome to this episode of the Just Get It Right podcast with Bubba and Terry. Our goal of this podcast is to encourage free thought and debate, where discussions of current events can lead to a better understanding of today's current trends and topics. So, this is week four. How, how, how do you think it's going?
1: Well, so a major boom in the viewership <laughs> last week. <laughs> well, we, we have... Almost, almost got to double digits. Yeah. So yeah. Next we're, week, we're getting to... Hopefully, at least ten. I'd love to see. I'd love to see somewhere in the ten to fifteen range. Um, so yeah, we'll I'll keep pushing. Um, I don't know. I, I just kind of a brief our own review and kind of some of the stuff. I think um, it's getting a little bit cleaner. It's getting more to the point. It's getting out what we want to kind of try to talk about. Um, so hopefully, we're getting a little bit better at it. People are a little. Anybody that is watching it or, or listening to it, it's it's at least entertaining for what it is, and we'll kind of keep working on it. Yeah, it's getting a little bit more
0: normal. Like I, I know, at least from my perspective, it's getting easier to record it, edit it, and then publish it. So hopefully, yeah. that continues to become easier. Where I'm thinking in this next week, start making more short videos and putting on. On um, social media sites, so that's that's my goal. I, I I slacked this past week where I could have made I could have cut up some some shorter clips and put them out, but didn't.
1: Just so. want to give the audience some pure transparency on some of our laziness. Here. Yeah, hey,
0: it's just get it right <laughs>
1: podcast. So I'm trying to. We're, we're trying to get it right. Yeah, so it's, it's a work of progress. Yeah. I think we're really going to find our voice by about episode forty six. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so. I th- we mentioned this um, previously, but episode five is that when we want to bring a guest on?
1: Um, well, we're going to wait and see. Um, we, we keep investing a little bit at a time um, with equipment. I think anybody that watched from from episodes, these are pretty cool. Two into three, announce four. You know, we got some some mic stands, so we're not holding our our mics, and hopefully, we get a little bit better sound quality. Gonna, Adjust some of the the uh, sound settings. Hopefully, get a little cleaner sound to it. So, um, big part of bringing guests on, or we need another microphone. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I think that's the goal. We've got we've got a couple of people that I think would be interesting, and and really try to start moving into get some different perspective. Yeah. You know, I, I think we're trying to build, um, kind of let people know where we stand on some of these topics, and and some of these are some of these are changing. Opinions on some of these topics because continuously you know, things, things change, things yeah. evolve. Like the science might change all yeah. of a sudden, so uh, you know, trying to figure out um, what some other people may see on some of these topics. Obviously, some people that may may see it completely different than us or have a different perspective than us. Um, I think that's that's kind of what we're trying to go towards. And if we can get a couple people in here that can shed some different perspectives on some of the topics, or Or have a special topic of their own that they want to discuss and and teach us a little bit about. I think those are all things that that we're kind of looking for.
0: Yeah, so one idea I've had, and one last thing before we get into the meat and potatoes of the podcast. Um, My idea for when we have guests is, you know, obviously, you know, we'll we'll address them by their first name. But I kind of want to focus on whatever somebody's career profession is. Like, obviously, don't mention... Who or where they work, but I I think it is cool to talk to people about, hey, all right, they might be a plumber or they might be a – they work in a warehouse or whatever someone does. Just like, okay, so how does this news affect your life? Or just current
1: events. Yeah. Everything in the world for the last couple of years, but how have you gotten through some of those things? Obviously – we got some supply chain background, and that's kind of popped up in several of the episodes. I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more because it interests us. Um, obviously, some of the major topics going on in the world right now are supply chain related, which is very different than the norm in the world where supply yeah. chain is kind of a a back burner kind of seen not not really heard kind of position. So that's that's shifted obviously pretty heavily in the past past couple over really the past year or so that it's really been out there as a major issue and continues to be a major part of our, of our, um, of our current trends. So, yeah. So you
0: already kind of mentioned the first topic,
1: but I got a new topic with just a little breaking news for everybody. Apparently all of my daughter's teeth are falling out of her face and she she second tooth of the day. So apparently she's just not brushing anymore. So there we go. Two. Tooth number two today. It's gonna to get damn. I,
0: I thought she was like old enough that she already lost all those teeth. That's what I don't know what's going on. She's gonna to have to get replacements like her dad. Thanks. <laughs> <All> <laughs> right. I'll cut
1: that. <laughs> yeah, we'll cut that and edit it. Oh, well, this is live. <laughs> yeah. we'll do it live.
0: So yeah, you already kind of mentioned it, but in the past week we've seen a sudden change of the science. Where where's that coming from? Um
1: well, I think this kind of carries over into uh the to be continued from last week. It's it's getting pretty pretty odd that, that it is such a wholesale shift and um now we've got who I someone I think that's become very interesting and I've always kind of paid attention to the to the shows that that Bill Maher does on the weekends, but now at least we're getting to a point where the absurdity of some of this stuff is is at least being kind of called out. I was just reading an article or just read the headline of an article from a Washington Post uh, article that just came out that's saying, you know, the masks really didn't help the whole time. And, and it's really hard for a lot of people that have been saying this has been pretty obvious for a long time. But People were getting removed from the Internet. People were getting censored. People were getting canceled. People were getting the- physically removed places. Yeah. I really think it's going to be pretty interesting how it kind of plays out, but it's it's also kind of frustrating to say some of these things were pretty obvious, and a lot of people have been saying it's pretty obvious this whole time. Now, all of a sudden, we're just – everybody's allowed to say it because a couple people have said we're going to drop the mandates. Now it's okay to say that the masks were never – really that effective. And it's that's where it's going to be really hard for people to get their heads around, like, what was the real reason? And how how is some of this stuff not political? What is the reason all of a sudden? It's not like we have less problem now than we had during other parts of the pandemic. We've had ups and downs. Now everybody wants to say all of a sudden, well, because the numbers are coming down. But the numbers have come down before, and the numbers have gone back up. But we still kept the masks on before. There's no science change there. There's never been statistical scientific hard data that said masks were better than not. Areas where there was masking was better than, than the non-masked areas. There's no hard evidence that really ever showed that, but we just continued to do it. Um, and that goes back to some of my frustration where you're saying early on, everybody did their best to say, you know, I don't know that it's gonna help. I personally don't think that it is, but I'll wear my mask just just because. I'm not gonna make a big deal of it maybe it helps. So is it that big of a deal? But that was also my frustration way back when when you're saying, well, we don't know for sure with a lot of data, but we had some data saying there was beneficial results from hydroxychloroquine being used early on with zinc and other different types of treatments that was helping. Even if it wasn't helping a ton, it wasn't hurting, So why were we so quick to politicize that and say, you just can't use it? Why were there governors of states saying, we're going to outlaw it? Well, now we're two years into this, and there's plenty of evidence that said, yeah, it had some effect. It was beneficial. It was better than nothing, for sure. So for the same reason that we're saying we were going to use masks, because it probably could have some beneficial impact with very little harm, why was one okay and the other not okay? Why was one okay to say or we were just going to do it, but the other one was being said, you're not allowed to even do it. You can't even even prescribe it. You can't even ask for it in in some of these states. And that's where I think as we continue to see this evolve and see people kind of try to move away from this topic, they're they're hoping, and I think a lot of these states that were specifically very heavy-handed on their rules are really going to just try to say, well, we beat it. We beat it so we can just move on now. And they're not going to say we were wrong. They're just going to say, well, since it's, it's all better now, you know, we can finally let some of this stuff up. But then you've also got other areas that are still pretty heavy-handed, and we'll get into that more when we kind of follow up on the truckers up in, up in Canada. You know, the, if, if you've got certain countries that are dropping all COVID rules, why aren't they all? You know, we kind of – we were all in this together originally – Everybody decided we're going to start locking places down together originally, for the most part. And now we can't all get on the same page with how we're going to get out of this. And that's kind of frustrating. It's frustrating to a lot of
0: people. So I'd imagine you'd have the same sense as me that the sudden change of heart from media, from government, stems back to the fact that elections are coming in under a year and internal polling – is pretty clearly saying the average person is tired of COVID. They're tired of wearing a mask everywhere they go. They're tired of being told to do all these things that
1: are unnatural to them. Yeah. I I think that it's really hard for people to not think there's a political angle to this. And I'm not I, – I, I do – and we've said this in some of the previous episodes – you know, my goal is to try to not be super political with the show. I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about current events, and, and there's no way with how politicized everything is that we're going to never get into anything that has a political tint to it. People are going to pick up on some of our leanings, obviously. Um, but this one's kind of tough where you're saying science is science and data is data, and the data is not really indicating anything different than what it was in different periods of the pandemic, but now all of a sudden just and across the board, we're just going to say, okay, well, the mask has got to come off. And it's more that these things have been said for a long time, but now all of a sudden the mainstream media and the fact checkers and everybody else are allowing these things to be said. Because as long as they're said by certain news sources, then they're allowed to be credible. But when they're said by other news sources a year ago, they were demonized or taken off the internet or 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 shouted down or, or labeled with or, the, the conspiracy theorist title or or, or fact checked or put the the warning labels and everything. But you know, to the original, you know that you got to think there's some polling involved here. Um, it kind of gets us into the the CNN polling this week, which I think everybody was, and, and I think we've got some CNN topic too on on our list for today, but. It, I'm not going to get into, you know, maybe the polling is a little different or maybe cnn's kind of trying to go with a different angle than they had been for the past couple of years for whatever reason. But the CNN poll from this week, um, specifically the question of what has Joe Biden done that you approve of, and 56% of the people polled in a CNN poll said nothing. Disapprove of all. Yeah. That's almost 6 in 10 people said that Joe Biden has literally done nothing for them since he's been the president.
0: One thing, I saw that same uh, graphic throughout the week, and I was kind of intrigued or stunned by the 4% of people that, I think it's 4% that think he did a good job in foreign policy. Like there, yeah. I find it hard to believe there is 4% of Americans that could really think, out of all topics, foreign policy, he's
1: done well. Yeah, you know, and and we'll see. I, I don't want to talk a lot about the Ukraine stuff because I just I still believe that that there's there's just too much too much going on there that seems like it's just timed to very specific way. You're
0: saying too much stuff going on outside of Ukraine, Russia.
1: Yeah, I, I I I believe that we, the United States and the media and our and the current administration is almost trying to pick this fight, like they're trying to put two people in a room that they know may not get along and kind of see if they can get them to, to start going at each other. Mm-hmm. Cause it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense why now and why all of a sudden this stuff's happening. Maybe it does happen, but it doesn't there's just too much going on there that I don't really think lines up logically. So to me, I, I personally still think it's just a distraction. Even if there is an invasion, I, I just have a hard time believing it. especially when we've got our own, spokespeople for our our state department and our dod already out there talking about psyops and everything else that the russians are doing and if they put out some information here's why you shouldn't believe it it just really seems seems like there's just too much odd stuff going on that i'm really going to buy into that one right now but it just like i don't know i i think that there's just it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um there's too much other stuff going on and it does seem like there's that that's just kind of a distraction for some yeah. of these other things that are going on here right now that are not going well from a polling standpoint from the administration being able to get some things done. Um you know, I think most people have kind of moved on from the obvious how terrible the Afghan departure was and so now maybe this is an opportunity to try to try to do things better this time or well russia's been such an easy
0: target for for the regime you know you going back to donald trump's in office you know and what they want to say for two plus years russian collusion you know they're the, they're the easy enemy for americans to get scared of
1: you know yeah i think they're the they're the false boogeyman in my opinion Same. because obviously um there's there's much bigger problems in the world from a geopolitical standpoint, um, which is the place where we're sending our best athletes right now.
0: Yeah, well, I'd say that Russia is on the decline compared to China, who is pretty obviously, in my opinion, on the come up.
1: I think Russia's Russia's been improving over the past uh, year or so since. Uh, the new administration's been in, in office. Yes. Get their pipeline approved, yeah. and now they're selling energy to Europe. And, you know, things are, things are actually seeming to go a little bit better for Russia currently. So I'd say, from a more macro view, since 2001, China is oh, inclined. Clearly, clearly China's yeah. been the, the growing dominant country in the world that's challenging us. They're that the second largest
0: somehow the just gets ignored all the time as being a threat to us as being a competitor
1: economically yeah i but i think that i do think people are kind of starting to wise up to that even if it's not our companies i think you can tell by just the the winter olympic ratings yeah. that are just in the totally in the toilet at this point where c or nbc's even coming out and acknowledging yeah they're they're not good now just like when they're people, just like when people stopped watching the NFL for a couple of those seasons, they're not going to say, "Well, it's because of of any type of things that we're doing that maybe our fans don't like." They're going to try to attribute it to all these other things. So, so NBC saying, "Yeah, our, our ratings aren't aren't good, but they're about what we expected because we planned for them to be bad because we know we have COVID and COVID's really the the thing that's holding people back and and not allowing people to get excited. You've got empty stadiums. You've got athletes wearing masks and all these other things that they're gonna say that these are the reasons that people aren't aren't invested in these Olympics. That they're this close to the the Summer Olympics because the Summer Olympics got moved back so much because of the the original um pandemic. So they're they're attributing a whole lot of things, but the one thing they're not gonna say is, oh, maybe Americans just don't wanna support these games because we disagree that we should be there mm-hmm. and that's where they always kind of missed the mark they in my mind if they wanted to be honest you could say clearly there's there's some impact of that that some people don't agree and let's talk about why some people might not agree but here's why we're here and that's where people just don't have that that trust in those media sources anymore and it's kind of like the joe rogan why do more people listen to joe rogan because they think joe rogan is at least honest with them. Yeah. He may be he may be uninformed on some topics, and he may even say that he's uninformed on those topics. But he's putting himself out there. People have the ability to go find out what's true and what's not, what's real, what's not, where it was right and where it was wrong. But he's at least putting an honest effort to be honest with people and to discuss both sides, to give an outlet to conversation from both sides versus some of these other media sources where they just don't want to talk about all those sides. And yeah. so they just say, well, you know. This is, these are the only things that are important, and these are the only things that people really should should be considering. Don't consider those other things, because those ideas are just bad ideas. Yeah,
0: well, and I think the problem NBC is probably still fallen into is, you know, they miss the credibility of being a trusted um, media source. They think they can still be right, you know, and they're not trying to get it right and Joe Rogan that's the thing yeah like us who are really just trying to get it right yeah we're we're, we are trying to follow Joe Rogan's model of just get it right figure it out on the go you know and I don't want
1: to say follow Joe Rogan's model I think we got some similarities and I think the overarching we like to have a general conversation and kind of understand from from all sides and kind of learn so some of that's that's true I think some of what we, some of our topic base is going to be a little different than what Joe Rogan's yeah. topic base is. I think Joe Rogan's gotten pulled into some topics that he would rather have not yeah. had to have gotten pulled into. So I think that's been kind of interesting recently. But um, And I would expect to see – probably see Joe Rogan talking a little bit more about aliens and some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to get back to <laughs> Kind of get back a little bit away from – a <laughs> the, the, little too close to the flames right now. So I think he's going to probably try to cool things down a little bit. Um, but you know, NBC is clearly one of those that they've they've dug their heels in, and they're they're gonna they're gonna cover things the way they want to cover things. CNN, on the other hand, that has gotten a little more interesting yeah. when you start when you start having people like Jake Tapper. This is later on in the list, Terry. Oh, well, that's good. We can just knock it out. Right All right, right. so
0: let's move it on. To it. Um, you're starting to allude to this, but there's a mysterious sudden change of approach to the news in the past week or so at cnn what are you reading into that
1: i mean i I feel like you got some of the talent that's kind of still doing what they've always done um but jake tapper um, tapper even throughout all of it I, i feel like tapper had had his moments where he was a little a little more biased and kind of showed that that he was working for cnn i think he still had Several moments that he he was more of a journalist and tried to at least ask some of the tougher questions at times for for the other side. Um, but when he's out there now going after the the why are our athletes in China, there is genocide going on there. There are human rights, major human rights issues. You know, why are we just now hearing about it after athletes are
0: there? Like, why is that the point where Jake Tapper feels I don't comfortable? Think a secret, to come? and I think that's
1: a big part of why the ratings are what the ratings are. It, I don't think this was some major held secret. I think most Americans know they've heard about the things that go on over there. They may not get a ton of exposure to it, but I don't think they're totally in the dark about it. Now, you've got a lot of the mainstream media and a lot of these Washington Post and New York Times and others that they're newspapers and people don't read newspapers as much anymore. When information is readily available out there, do you really want to pay a subscription to a newspaper that you could just go get that information elsewhere? Now, people are making that choice. A lot of people do subscribe. I subscribe to a news source that I feel is the most journalistic and impartial news I could I could follow. Um, so I, I'm willing to pay that, whatever it is, $8 a month, so that I can have access to their platform, mainly because I want to support them and I want to make sure that they can continue to put out good content. So in that model, though, you have to have those subscribers. So I feel like the New York Times and the Washington Post and several of these others have gotten to a point that they're – their core customer base is kind of gone so far to one side that they can't afford to lose that part of their customer base. With CNN being a, a cable news network and having ratings to worry about, you now everybody's been saying for the last year, I mean, it's been obvious that their ratings have not been good and they've continued to decline. And if that's any other business, you're saying, okay, clearly something we're doing is not right, we need to correct. So you've got to kind of wonder and and almost hope that maybe this, this new leadership and there's a correction coming, and part of the reason that that change of leadership and the correction is coming is because they want to get back to what they used to do. They used to be the leader in news, and there was a reason why they were the leader in news when cable news started out, because they were a good middle just report the news. And sure, they had bias, just like anybody else, just like ABC and NBC and CBS all had for for any time before cable news really came on. But there was more of a, at least it seemed like more of an effort to kind of stay in the middle. You would have some Republicans on, you would have some Democrat senators come on, you would let them have the open debate. When we got into this mindset where and this is why it's always been strange to me that people attack Fox News. And I'm not a huge fan of Fox News. Um, but Fox News would still bring on, when there's a hot topic that's going on in Congress, they would bring on a Republican congressman to be a spokesman for the Republican side. And they'd bring on a Democratic congressman or a congresswoman to give the other perspective. Let the people viewing... Understand the issue out there. Let them understand both sides of the argument because politics is debate. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. That's It's always been a debate system. So give people both sides of that argument and let people decide where they stand on that argument. But MSNBC, you're not going to find a Republican showing up on there. You may have a couple that they'll call conservative or Republican commentators. Uh, from the Lincoln Project. But – you're not getting like they're not going to pull in any of the republican senators or any of the republican congressmen because they really don't care they they they've demonized them so much on that platform or on that network that why would anybody want to go on that network so now they become just one-sided conversations on those networks and that's not healthy for either side i feel like fox clearly has a conservative lean but I do feel like they do a better job than most at trying to still... Give the appearance give, of debate. You know, even on so even on The Five or some of these shows that are opinion shows, Fox is always going to have at least one or two people with the other perspective so that both sides of that debate or both sides of that topic are getting their chance to say, here's the way I see that issue. And I feel like if CNN can really move back to somewhere in the middle to say we're going to have both sides of this conversation on, you know, I think it would get to a better place and more people would check out what they have to say. Mm-hmm. You know, I have of late have checked out a couple more of their shows. I have listened. Some of it's just for curiosity. To really? See. It's, it's that simple. Like they could fix their business if they just
0: let it be a little bit more open to topics that aren 't so clear cut, but I feel like one of the main problems the mainstream media has ran into is you know they they realized the power they have you know to legitimize ideas and stories i don 't think that is what their role should be they they shouldn't Their role shouldn 't be to add legitimacy their role should be to distribute
1: information. Just report what's happening.
0: Yeah. So I think once they get back to their roots of distribute information, distribute ideas... they can
1: get back. I do think, and this kind of goes back to that original COVID topic, and, and is it political in nature, or is there really some kind of a science change? I think the strategy, and this is my perception on the strategy here, is I think they they being the Democrat party has seen these poll numbers and they're worried about the elections at the end of the year. And they're saying it's gotten too far out of line. The polling has gone too far one way, especially on the COVID topic that they're saying, okay, we're not going to be able to keep COVID around as a positive for us. So it needs to go away. And if we can make it go away now and try to get things back to normal, maybe people will forget about all of these things that people had to do. If they can let people go back to the original normal, then maybe some of this angst or some of these independents or even some of these unhappy Democrats, because if you've got six and ten people that are saying they really disapprove of what's going on in the administration right now, it means you've got Democrats in that mix that are saying, "I'm not happy," yeah. and they they probably aren't going to show up and vote Republican. But are they going to show up and vote at all? Probably 81 million won't. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> um, uh, I I I so I think what they're what they're planning on now is if you can let people get back to normal, then maybe people go back to voting normal and they don't have some kind of an anger or a bias that's pushing them the other way. And right now it's become pretty clear which, which side was for the lockdowns and making kids wear masks and forcing people to get vaccinated versus the other side. Or lose your job. Yeah, or lose your job. Like, I find it hard to believe
0: a lot of people aren't going to have real resentment towards political figures that put that decision on them
1: in the I've past got, year. I've got resentment against anybody that's put covid restrictions on me, including our governor, who's a Republican governor. If I had to, if I had a better opportunity or a better option or an alternative for him, I I would have been His gladness.
0: election was at a perfect time for him where yeah. most, you know, I will I'm not sure if it's a moderate Republican, but like a not a hard he was on the bill when Trump was on the bill. Yeah. And there wasn't yeah, any. Yeah. Well, what I was trying to say is it was at a time where Republicans, reasonable Republicans, weren't exactly against lockdowns, weren't exactly against the measures that were being presented because we didn't know what was happening. And we we're just like, okay, we should probably just be safe and see what happens. You know, so that's when his election happened. Then he. You know he's good for four years now. The, yeah. You know, m- I
1: don't think people will forget though. Yeah, I, I think we're really kind of to a point. You think he gets is, primaried? I don't Seriously? Know. We'll see. We'll see what's going on in the world. Maybe if things really get normal enough, and and he can line up some other kind of wins somewhere else, maybe maybe not. I, I don't know. I mean, he's in a second, his second term now, so I don't even know how many can they run more than two terms. In I'd the imagine, end? yeah. Like, you know, the
0: president, that was only until FDR, right? That they, that took a every, constitutional every, every amendment. Every
1: has got different laws than that. True. I, I don't feel like we've had governors be in office that long. I think Evan By, maybe he did three. Yeah. I, don't I don't know. know. We'll have to go back and look at that. Either way, you know, I'm not a fan of how he did it, personally. You know, I still look at things like, you know, how how difficult they made things for the schools, how difficult they made things for businesses in the area. That how difficult they made things for places like the Coliseum and others, you know, those are all things that I feel like now that we look back at this, we're saying you can't have hockey games. You know, you're, you're, hurting, you're hurting all of our, you know, we're not a huge city. So you're really hurting these, these venues. You're hurting these minor league teams that now they can't play and can't operate. You know, I still say all of it was wrong. There was a lot of people trying to speak up and say this is not the way to do it, and people weren't listening. And I think people that weren't listening should be responsible, not because if they would have at least listened and made a reasonable argument as to this is why we're going to continue to do things this way, then you can say, okay, I kind of understand why you guys did it. You were wrong, Mm -hmm. but I understood your reason and why you tried when you're literally saying you guys can't really talk about this we're not even going to allow you to bring that to the table and then you are clearly wrong now i hold you responsible for that yeah. i do hold you responsible for all those juniors and seniors in high school that lost major parts of the most important period of their lives yeah. some of those athletes that lost scholarships lost the will to play sports L- lost anymore. the ability to be seen yeah i mean like
0: you lost your your senior season
1: you know, college coaches couldn't come watch you play. And they were just as bad, and they were even worse. Honestly, academia, the universities—they were the ones, in my opinion, that started the whole lockdown yeah, trend. They legitimized the it. Ivy League and everybody else saying we're the just NBA? not going to play, and then you get the professional leagues that got on board. With it was games. it was the NBA. We're first. just too afraid to do any of these things. That at this point again, the science is pretty clear: locking down and not letting people live their lives shutting down businesses so now that the only people that got stronger throughout this whole thing were the biggest corporations in the world and big pharma, Yeah. the rich literally got richer while everybody else was hurt. And so you've got all these people that want to always claim all these things about the corporations are so terrible and it's your AOCs of the world and everybody else. Well, who got stronger out of all this? Bill Gates, Bezos, and everybody else raked in billions of dollars off of this stuff. Your major corporations, the big corporations, did okay. It's your small companies that all struggled. It's your family businesses that all either closed up shop or took major hits. Or had to really rely on their community, which that was kind of encouraging to see. You know, communities stepped up. But people aren't going to forget, and that's really what this is about. We can try to to gloss past and try to get back to normal, but I don't think people are going to forget.
0: Yeah, I agree. So I guess that'll move us on to our next topic, which is a, I don't know if we'd say a symptom or a side effect of the lockdowns, but the inflation. So I guess here's a question I want to throw at you. Um, Where would you assign blame for the inflation we're seeing? Is it purely Joe Biden or did it start before Joe Biden?
1: Lockdowns. It's lockdowns. It goes back to... We made a terrible judgment call early on. And I don't remember who said it, so I'm not going to take credit as this is me that said this, but we relied on experts in the epidemiology world to make all of our decisions. We said, because this is a pandemic, all of these epidemiologists get all the say in how we're going to deal with this stuff. And we put everybody else off to the side. We, we demonize people like Scott Atlas when he was on the task force for Trump, when he came in midway through, and I think that was kind of Trump saying, we, we need a correction point because we've kind of gone a little overboard here. Scott Atlas, in the end of that task force, was the one saying, we shouldn't be masking children. Children should be in school. That it's wrong for us to have ever kept kids out of school when they are not at risk for this stuff. Those were major, major mistakes, but because we went down this road of saying, obviously, if the only people that have a real say in the room are the people that say, we want to make sure that we're as safe as possible and not pay attention to any of the other consequences to these things, that's how we got here because none of those other voices saying, but you guys, you can't do that. We can't. It's look at the impact this is going to have in all these other ways. Shutting down the schools, look at the impact it's at, that that's going to have on generations of kids. And again, it's going to disproportionately hurt certain groups of children that are going to create a bigger gap in where that education is being so, done well and not being yeah, done well.
0: Yeah, I, I get the damage to children, um, but –
1: so how does that contribute to inflation? So the, it's all from shutting down businesses. When you shut down all the businesses – you created that flip of the switch. You changed the entire pattern of the economies, global economies. So what that started to do, you shut down, you shut down parts of businesses. We had what they called the essentials at the time, which are now the expendables, the essential workers that had to keep working through the pandemic, but you couldn't keep everybody working. You had slowdowns in lots of these areas. So you had major shifts in demand of certain types of products. So how people trend and forecast and and try to understand what they need to buy, how much inventory they need to carry for certain things, all changed really quickly. And it was changed because we got involved. The central planners got involved instead of letting the free market do what the free market was supposed to be able to do. So now we get to a point where there's major runs on particular things and people have to outsource a lot of that stuff or, or do outsource a lot of that stuff because we always have. And so now you get into this crisis where the demand for things was much greater than the ability to supply them. So supply and demand got way out of whack. And it was because we interjected ourselves. We being economies, we being countries said that we are going to make these major wide sweeping decisions for everybody that changed how people live their lives and how people spend their money. When that happened, there was, there was a spiral that started right then and there. If we really would have done this two weeks to slow the spread and then let everybody open back up, it would have been fine. It would have been fine. But once people gave in to that, well, we better. it's probably safer, then it's probably still safer that we still stay home because it's not gone yet. And then we get into this cycle of, okay, now we're doing this. So yeah. now.
0: Power to a government's like crack to an attic.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, so then you go into this how do you get out of it? Everybody's got their warehouses shut down. People aren't at work. People can't do what they normally do. And so then when we started to open places back up, the demand, while people were all at home, was still high. It actually went up because now people are saying, well, if I can't go eat at a restaurant, can't go see movies, I can't go on vacation, now I've got all this extra income. And so people spent that extra income on consumer goods.
0: Also, if I don't have to drive to work, yep, if I – can't go on vacation,
1: like, yeah, as you said. So demand for consumer items goes way up. People are still spending money, but there's no commerce. There's no transportation moving. There's no purchase orders. There's no factories running. So now, when everybody opens back up, everybody's trying to play catch-up. And you can't play catch-up that fast. And that's where it moves into the world of supply chain. Why supply chain's been so messed up is because... You've created now this huge backlog of there's a lot more product to move than there is capacity to move it. And you're still limited with how many people were working in warehouses. You're still limited with, with how many trucks there are. You're always limited with the actual capacity of the total network. How fast can the ports work? How many cranes are on, a, on on a port terminal? How many how employees many, do we have that will come into work? Right. How many more restrictions and lockdowns and other things happen where it limits your ability to to keep things moving so then you get into this constant cycle that we're in right now where the ports can't keep up or the ports finally fill it up on all the trains and now all the trains are full or all the inland transportation points and rail yards in chicago kansas city and all these places are just full and they can't process them fast enough because you don't have enough chassis to move all the, the containers that are showing up you don't have enough drainage carriers to move the containers and get them delivered you can't return those empties fast enough so now You create all these bottlenecks. You create the 100 vessels out on the West Coast because they can't unload fast enough. While those vessels are sitting there, now you've got no vessels that are picking up on the, the other side of the ocean. And you've got more backlog and more issues. Then you throw in a Suez Canal blockage for multiple weeks, the biggest canal in the world that controls so much trade. That gets shut down. You create another huge bottleneck. Then you get all these other little things. You get a shutdown of the Ningbo port which is the second largest port in China. You get, the, you get a shutdown of the Ambassador Bridge between Windsor and Detroit, yeah. which will take us into our next yeah, we'll topic we just want to go. Um, to the inflation side of things, it really comes down to we've been saying this for a while. I think we actually have talked about it in one of the earlier episodes that said, and I've been saying this for a long time, prices were going to go up. The things that they could increase prices on quickly, food, gas, things that they could easily change the prices to, we knew those were happening, and they were happening a lot in last year. Now, what we're seeing is after the holiday, what everybody said was going to happen. All the prices for everything from consumer goods, retail items, are all going up.
0: Milk is over three dollars. That's like the first time I've ever seen. Like this. Normal-
1: are going up. All your yeah. major staples, and and it's still you've got shortage issues. You've got supply. Even being able to find some of these things is still a problem. So. That That's where it's coming from. The, the supply demand is still out of whack and you're going to see major issues. And the transportation problem is a huge problem. The cost of transportation, especially for anything bring, being brought in by the ocean, is going to have an extreme impact on cost for things. So businesses are going to have to charge a greater price to be able to make sure that they continue to, to make profits. So if I can you know, close it with one thing.
0: So you're saying the inflation is due to the sudden reorganization of the supply and demand of our markets.
1: Are there any... No, it's, it's, it's due to a reaction to our sudden stop of the markets. Okay. All right.
0: So the last thing we have to talk about, and it, it kind of is attached to what we were just talking about. But the Canadian Freedom Convoy continues to be a big deal. And surprisingly, it's, I think, starting to reach a reach a head where, you know, they're blocking bigger and bigger connections and there is – more consequences happening are we going to start seeing are you and me going to start seeing the consequences of these blockades and i know they're already happening but we don't work in automotive so can you go into that
1: well, i don't know that's i wouldn't the blockage that happened on the bridge was a major topic this week because it did it, it at least forced several of the automotive plants to have to at least restructure their production plans for the day Now, some of that, I don't know how much of that is – we know it happens, but we know that that's been happening anyways. We know that the automotive plants have really struggled to keep operating because of other supplier shortages. So I'm sure there's an impact from it. I don't know if it's as big as they were making it seem like that that some of the big three's plants were actually shut down.
0: Here's a side question I don't know if you would know. So in the past year or so, there's been like a chip shortage in – do
1: we have the chips to finish these new automobiles? Chips was was a part of the problem, but I actually know specifically um I've had some conversation with people involved with the supply chain um management at the GM plant here locally. Um and from what I've learned from those conversations is it's really not just the chips. It's it's, it's obviously a part of the problems and there was some chip shortages And it's still kind of a struggle. But what I heard was, and I know this back from my tier one automotive days, when you're a tier one supplier, you have to produce nearly perfectly. You can't have major quality issues. You can't have slow work. You can't have not enough people showing up and things like that because you can't keep up. So the demand for the vehicles is very high, but all of these smaller suppliers have all been impacted by, can you hire enough workers? There are not enough people that want to work those manufacturing jobs. They can't hire enough people. So when the demand of the vehicles has gone so high, these OEM plants are trying to pull max numbers off of run rates that they had ran when they bid these these businesses out three, four years before, You know when the product life cycle for some of these vehicles is a four year run or whatever, you know, they're costing this stuff out. They're costing stuff out for right now, probably for, for 20, you know, 20, 26, 20 vehicles. So they're doing the, that. What's the machine rate? What's the amount of labor? What's your cost and all that stuff. So now when you've got a lot of people that aren't working, it's these tier one automotive suppliers are struggling to keep up so you're running out of a lot of things it could be tires one day where for some reason mm-hmm. they couldn't get enough tires in it could be it could be the glass it could be it could be any certain part but there's so many parts that go into those vehicles that if you have any supplier disruption it changes what you're able to build that particular day so it's not that the factories can't run it's forcing the oems to not be able to control their manufacturing schedule the way they've always wanted yeah. to you know when you're picking we're going to run x amount of this trim package today what well, you may find out we don't have enough of that particular headlight so we got to we got to change over to another trim package so that we can use the lower grade headlight and kick out a bunch of those until that next one comes in. And you're probably talking air charters and other kind of expediting to get that stuff in, but they've been chasing. And that's what we've been dealing with 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 all the supply chain is you're constantly chasing. Everything is so broken because we're so far away from the norm that a lot of the automated things, the the things that just flowed the way they were supposed to are not happening. So the, the work, time, effort, and complexity in all parts of supply chain has gotten so much more difficult. And
0: it's all become manual where, right. you know, where, where you used to have contracts for things. Now it's, well, we need it yesterday, so we're going to throw money at it and just get it to us. And, I mean, yes, companies will agree to that in the moment, but it's not sustainable. And I, I know you've told me this before, but the customer will pay that in the bottom line. Maybe not now. Next year, when these corporations realize the increased costs, that's when they will start.
1: We're in next year now. Yeah. You know, this we were doing this last year to keep stuff going, and everybody was kind of saying, Well, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully, we get there. But it's dragged on long enough where now you're saying, There's no, it's not sustainable. We need to make more, we need to make some of that money back. We have to pass on some of this cost because it's not sustainable. So that's why customers are seeing the, the greater cost. But back to the, the convoy itself, you know, I, I think, and we got to kind of wrap up because we're getting a little um, over on time, um, but I think the convoy is doing a good thing. It's calling things out. I think they're being disparaged every way they can, uh, people trying to take the worst elements of it. I will say I'm not, if they're truly blocking the bridge, I'm not. I do not agree with anybody blocking highways or anything like that. It's one thing for them to be there and demonstrating. If they're literally blocking highways, then that's a problem. And that, that does give the, the state or the governments in those areas the ability to say, you can't do this because that, you're, you're crossing a boundary at that point. I don't think that's necessarily what's happening. I think what they ended up saying was, you know, I think the convoy and what I've seen today is they're still there, but they're allowing traffic to move. So it's one thing, can they protest versus people to access or being able to But isn't that the teeth of the convoy? I don't think so. I don't think it needs to be that. You know, when they first showed up in the Capitol, it's about them being there and being heard. Uh, They can be there, but they can't stop people. You can be, you can protest and you can be, you can be there to be heard, but you can't you can't be violent. You can't intimidate. You can't block commerce. Like, commerce needs to be able to move. They don't need to block commerce to be effective.
0: But, but w- when wouldn't you, you say that the Canadian government has been blocking commerce with yes. their their I- inner yes. national vaccine but mandates?
1: Wouldn't, wouldn't you say that two wrongs don't make a right? I mean, do you, the whole point is yeah. you're not trying to lower yourself to say... Because the argument, making a good faith argument goes away if you're going to do it in a way that the bad argument is already doing it. They need to be there and be heard. What I think we'll see pretty soon now is you're seeing police, you're even hearing the talk of using military to try to remove, you're talk, they're talking about, they've started changing rules and changing laws. They, they declared a state of emergency so that they can put in Penalties and all these things that are not in the law. They're using the state of emergency to be able to do all of these things. So, where have we seen that? You claim an emergency, and now all of a sudden you have to wear a mask. You have to do all these things. That's why this whole state of emergency, all of a sudden being used by these places, was problematic in the beginning, and it's still problematic now. Because what they're basically saying is, if we just declare this a state of emergency, then we can do whatever we want. And we can tell you, if we don't like where your vehicle's parked, that, that law might have been a couple hundred dollar fine before. Now it's a $100,000 fine. Now we can take you to jail for a year because we claimed it's a state of emergency. That is tyranny. That is where you're really starting to go. And so what I think is going to be really interesting to see what happens out of this now is how many people start to really see when when the government starts moving to those kind of tactics because they don't like what the other side has to say, at that point you start to see other people that were not involved, that were just kind of watching from afar, start to say, well, maybe I do need to be involved. Which is why you've seen people giving all kinds of money to this and trying to help And I think that if you get to the point where the government of Canada pushes too far and starts taking people's rigs or starts putting people in jail, then you're going to see a bigger revolt from the truckers everywhere. And I told you this before. You want to see the power of what a group could do to the powerful? If every trucker said, I'm not showing up to work today, it's chaos. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think to close the episode – We'll close it with this. You can only be governed if the governed consent to being governed. So, and I think we're seeing this in Canada, more and more people keep flooding into these protests. And as that happens, you know, Justin Trudeau and the decision makers up there, they can say what they want, but how do you enforce that on everybody? If they do not consent to your government. And I think that's the interesting um, point we're getting to is I think, and good for the Canadians, you know, the, you know, Canadians get the rap of being too polite and, and too nice. and It's, you, a, good, it's a good rap. And, and it is a good
1: rap. But I've every Canadian I've ever met has been super nice. Oh, I agree. But they do swear a lot though. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone I've met they do swear a lot. Yeah. But, but very politely.
0: Th- their Canadians are getting to the point where they're proud and they're saying, "You know what? Screw you. You're not going to tell me what to do." And good for them. I I hope to see them um continue to not allow themselves to be led in a way that is not authentic to themselves. Yeah, I so. think
1: I think we're getting to a point now where a lot of people are finally saying it's just it's enough's enough and it's time to to stop this nonsense and to, to see it come from Canada. It's kind of interesting, you know. We don't need to get into why why Canada and why not here um, because there's some differences. And I think it's mainly the the main point why why you saw it there and not here is because. You have so many different states with so many different rules mm-hmm. that it's everybody's not affected in quite the same way. With well, Canada, it was, we, it was across the board, and it was pressing pretty yeah. hard, so it did force a big issue for for a mass group of people. So it led to it. But but kudos to Canada, kudos to those drivers for at least kind of at least standing their ground, even yeah. if even if they're not right. You know, make the argument. I think that's the biggest thing I've seen come out of this. It's like, why isn't Trudeau showing up? Why don't you sit down and talk to him? Instead of just claiming they're racist and claiming they're all these terrible things, like sit down and talk to them. But yeah. he's—it's just throw insults. And even that was part of the Bill Maher clips that I saw too, where he's—if you read some of the divisive statements that Trudeau's saying about the people, anybody that just doesn't agree with you, that has a political a, a political stance that you don't agree with, you're just saying they're awful people, basically. And you're the leader of all. Like it's you're where where do we get to the point that it says you're literally? out there as a leader, demonizing the other side. We're seeing that from a lot of our leaders now, and that's not what we should be seeing. It's not good. It's not a free government.
0: And the sad thing, and I want to end it with this, is that's where violence happens, is when you stop being able to have conversations, when you stop being able to um, address
1: your competitor. We saw violence before, and it wasn't from this. I don't think we'll see violence from this. I think people are just going to start ignoring it. I think you're. Good. <laughs> I mean, I think the thing is, people just just say, "Nah, that's okay. I'm not just." And you think that Justin people Trudeau's have, anybody when I've walked in, and somebody said, uh, "You need to put a mask on." No thanks. Have a good day. Let's <laughs> move on. I mean, because there's no
0: there's. But no- the thing is, is the Canadians and especially Justin Trudeau, they have gotten used to the ability to say, "Well, we don't care. We make the rules, not you." Yeah. So that that's what I'm saying. I don't want to see violence, but if he continues speaking to the other side as the other i i just have a feeling i don't think you'll see the violence from this side well there will be vi- I, there could be violence somewhere so hopefully not but i, I
1: think, so. I, think uh, I think it's going to be a topic for next week too i don't yeah. think it's going to go anyway go away anytime soon so yeah. we'll we'll kind of follow up again next week and kind of see what's going on with it
0: well as you said earlier I think enough is enough, so we'll cut it off here. So this is the close of Episode 4. Um, hopefully we are doing a good enough job to keep you coming back, but if you like our podcast, please... you're one of those seven
1: people, yeah. keep on watching. But, yeah. And leave comments, subscribe, yeah. As tell know. us what we're doing wrong, tell us what we could do better, and if you've got some, some topics or things that... Uh, think are important send them to us yeah as youtubers
0: and podcasters have been saying since the beginning of the internet please like subscribe leave a five-star review <laughs> but that's all we got um we'll see you one week from now um have a good week see ya